0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast, stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. It's Hugh Baloo again, back with another episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. We've got over 320 wonderful episodes and we're going on in. We've never had one like today. Every week, it's like something new. Same topic, but new perspective, new ideas. You can find all of the episodes from the last eight years uh, on nonprofitexchange.org. T-H-E, nonprofitexchange.org. Gives you a welcome page, and then you click on previous episodes. Then you have all of the archives of every episode with the transcriptions and the resources. So today's guest is uh, a new acquaintance, and I'm really impressed, Rod Zeeb. Tell people a little bit about who you are, Rob, and the work that you do. Okay, so I guess the
1: best the best way is I was a recovering estate planning attorney, so that's where I come from. I was uh, started out in business and real estate. All my business and real estate clients had tax problems and state tax problems, so became a state tax uh, expert. And all of that led to philanthropy. So then I became a philanthropic planning expert. So did all that. Um, late 90, or late 80s, I had a case where we passed a nine-digit estate, essentially tax-free, which as an estate planning attorney means you did a perfect job, only to watch the oldest son run three businesses bankrupt within about a decade and blow his entire share, which nine digits in the 80s, thats you got to work at that um and then his younger brother drank himself to death in seven years and it was all because he wasn't prepared he was overwhelmed and the inheritance just you know he didn't know what to do and at that point I remember sitting at my desk going this is not an acceptable outcome you know I'm not going to spend the rest of my life getting as much money as I can to the next generation just to kill him so I started doing research and you know did I do something wrong And this was right when John Ward was coming out with his research about the 90% rule that 90% of the time the money's gone by the end of the third generation. One of the first um, quotes that I found was from a philosopher in China from 2,000 years ago. says, wealth never survives three generations. And we found quotes from all over the world. The, The best one, I think, is from the 1500s from Spain, which is first generation trader, second generation gentleman, third generation beggar which kind of says it all, but, you know, we've, and we got shirt sure sleeves are sure sleeves. It's, you know, and at that point, there was a lot of institutions that were looking at what's going wrong. That's the research was going on. And I looked at it and go, I don't care what goes wrong. What goes right. What about the people who are successful at keeping the families together for multiple generations and their values and all this stuff. So that's what we studied. And we came up with what's now called the heritage process that led us to come, uh, creating the heritage Institute, which uh, trains primarily financial advisors and nonprofit executives and some estate planning attorneys and things on, you know, the multi-generational piece of keeping families together. And as you did that, philanthropy became a huge part of it because philanthropy is an amazing training tool when you're working with the next generation. Plus these families, if they really want to keep together, they have to have some passions and they have to have some things that we all get behind. And that's usually always driven by their philanthropy. So that became a huge part of what I do. And then from there, I just learned from clients, you know, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I mean, I heard from the clients about what it is that makes them tech and, uh, and the difference that makes for them and for the philanthropy that they work with.
0: You know, I've quoted Zig Ziglar before we started. I'm going to quote him again. You you can have anything in life you want by helping enough other people get what they want. It's so with that in mind, we need to really pivot our thinking when we want to get funding for organization. So tell us, what's the biggest mistake people make and why did I quote that quote?
1: Well, the biggest mistake people make is as nonprofits, we go in and we know what we need. We're building a new building or we need this or we need that. And so we go to our donors and say, this is what we need and can you help? And in reality, what will get exponentially more both passion and money is if you start with the donor and say, "What do you want? What's the impact that you want to make?" You know, not not how much money can you give, but what do you want the impact to be of that gift? And what are your desired outcomes for seeing the world change? Once you do that, and now they're not giving a gift; they're fulfilling their passion. It's a completely different world. And we were talking a little earlier. As I when I first started doing this, I was explaining to a donor one time. I was at breakfast with a donor, and one of the executive, executive directors of a nonprofit that he was chairman for, and this is a big donor. He's got his names on buildings, um, and another guy, and I explained about my focus is what is it that you want? What's your desired outcomes? And then we'll find the, the philanthropy that goes with that. And at the end, he just shook his head and he goes, you know, when these nonprofits learn to mo- focus on my need to give rather than their need to get, they're going to get a lot more out of me. And I think that's the transformation. It's, what's the focus?
0: You know, it at my stage of life, we're able to make donations to the charities around us here, the, the churches and the arts organizations, et cetera, and the, the, the organizations that help people. Um, and it feels good. You know, we see the results of what our donations are are doing. So there's a whole different perspective that I have. We don't, give because it hurts we give because it feels good right and so you talked about the the crisis in 2008 and there was a story around that that community where was it where gm closed the factories
1: yeah it was a community in in indiana where gm closed the factories and i just i was talking to a, a, a gentleman and i said you know what's the most impactful gift that for you personally that you've ever made and uh during that this so 2008 remember the big crash everybody's you know <laughs> it's a big problem and christmas is coming and they wanted to make an impact on the community and so what they ended up doing is he and a friend of his they started going around figuring out how they could help people who were buying gifts for their kids but really couldn't afford it at that point point. and ultimately what they ended up doing is they went to the Toys R Us and Walmarts and Kmarts and all those things. And they paid off essentially all of the layaways for kids' clothes and gifts that were less than $750 everywhere they could find, which, you know, at that point was not, you know, what it ended up costing him. I think he said it cost his chair was like $30,000 or something like that, which is a lot of money, but not when you're used to giving seven digit, you know, gifts. Uh, so know but the impact on the community was amazing but bigger than that was the impact on him was amazing he said that's still the the most important gift i've ever done was what it did for the community just for helping out in that little way
0: you um use the term transformational giving and transformational gift that would be an example of how that transformed that person's idea of giving Um, and transform their life really so speak more about why that's important thinking about this transformation and giving
1: you know and uh, I define a transformational gift as one that has as big an impact on the donor as it does on the organization that's getting it which normally the impact on the donors they get a tax deduction but you know so this is what's the impact on the donor and and that's the shift I mean when you can do this the, the gift number one for the donor they become passionate they're not just writing a check they're they become philanthropists not just donors and they're they're going to tell their friends they're going to you're going to get all their energy for the organization you're now going to have an energized base now you have these people out there going you know don't just help my nonprofit because i'm helping them it's like man this makes a difference you got to help me with this um so it it to me, it, it changes both the dynamics of the people and the, how everybody feels about it, but it also increases what's going to happen exponentially in terms of both gifts and time and, and volunteering.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I quote St. Paul, um, uh, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the first transformation happens with us, doesn't it?
1: Right, right. And we're not trained that way. I mean, you know, like I said, for estate planning attorneys, we were trained. If you can, you can pass the estate tax-free with no administration, perfect. Well, then people were dying. You know, so that's not a perfect, you know, estate plan. Same thing with the nonprofits. When we're focused on our needs, we lose what what the passion is behind some of these gifts that you're you're getting. Um, And you know, I've I've seen. I I was talking to one of my friends who's a, a nonprofit fundraiser and he was working at a university and they were going and talking to this uh this lady about raising money and and they had uh they were building a some sort of building i don't remember what it was but you know science building or something and as they started talking uh this and, and he the, my friend okay not the the president of the school the president was with him uh my friend said so you know, tell us about your connection with the school. And it was all about the music school. She married, she found her husband at the music school. They got married. All three of their kids have been through the music school. I mean, it was all about the music school. And she's just getting fired up. And so Rick's, I, I, you know, going to talk to her about what we, can do we do for the music school? And all of a sudden, the president jumps in and goes, that's really fascinating. But we're building this new building. And we really need some money for the building. Could you help us out on this new building? And and she wrote a check for like twenty five thousand dollars for the building, and he was really excited because they got this twenty five thousand dollars, <laughs> and and the person who knew her was going, we probably left, you know, several hundred thousand dollars on the table if we would have followed her and let her give to the thing that she's passionate about, and she would have been she would have felt way better about giving that money than she does about this check that she just wrote for something she doesn't really care about.
0: Philanthropy, let's unpack that term. I don't think many people understand it. It's more than money. And you're, you're building this, this transformational paradigm. So it technically, it's the love of humankind. Mm-hmm. And so it's time, talent, and money. So there, philanthropy, so you're enabling people who have the means to also be philanthropists in other ways. So speak a little bit more about how you see philanthropy and how that's important for us as nonprofit leaders to understand that.
1: It, it really is time to give I mean it's all of those things. you know when you when you look at it, uh, in fact, there's a guy named Bob Hopkins, I know that you know <laughs> who, who teaches kids, inner city kids how to be philanthropists without any money because they have time and they have expertise. There you go. I've got that on my, my book too. there. You go. <laughs> and And so when you look at that, uh, you, you know now you get into the time, talents and, and money, the talents, when they're energized, because they're doing things that are meaningful to them, you don't just get their check. You get their mind. You get their energy. You get their friends. You get everything uh, into this because now they're passionate. I, I had I I ask my clients a lot of times, you want your kids to be donors or philanthropists? And I don't ask them anything else. I just tell them that, and I define it. And to a person, they always say, well, I want to be a philanthropist. So then I'll ask them, you know, what's the difference? <laughs> Let them tell me the difference. I had two people that gave me definitions that I loved. One of them was a donor gives from his wallet, a philanthropist gives from his heart, his or her heart. The other one that I loved was a donor goes to the charity's auction and buys something that they want or need anyway at a discount at the auction, and then wants credit for the fact that they're helping the nonprofit. The philanthropist he or she is the one that's taking their own time and money to go get those things that, that the donor is buying at the auction and usually doesn't want credit for it. I mean, they're, they're doing this because of their love for the organization
0: and, and what they're doing. Yeah. Now I don't hear you speaking against anything. You're just helping us realign the personal relationship piece of this and the, uh, the value proposition. You know, we're we're creating value for everyone. This is a win 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 situation, and I don't think there's more than three percent of nonprofit leaders that understand this. Well, and it gets and goes and ends up
1: going beyond your nonprofit. I mean, I you know the, the gifts to me when you look at this. There's really three steps to this. Number one, you got to ask the right questions and find out what they really want. Okay, so you know, what is it that your desired outcome is? What is it? What difference do you want to make? And then the second thing is give them the opportunities to fulfill that. This gets to be a real issue with some of the nonprofits because a lot of times some of the things they want aren't going to be with your nonprofit. And the answer to that is help them go find what is. You know, one of my friends I I was talking to you about uh, that I'd worked with earlier, between 2010 and 2017, he raised $430 million for his charity. That's a pretty good amount of money, you know. (laughs) He raised probably four or five times that much for philanthropy overall because he recognized that his big donors have like four, five, six, eight charities that they support. And so when he was working with them and they'd come up with something that that his organization couldn't do, he connected them with an organization that could do it. And that's when you start getting, and now you have a donor for life. I mean, that that donor is going to come back to you no matter it has anything to do with you or not. And it's helping the whole world, not just your little piece of it. And then the third step is you ask the donor what it meant to them. You need to anchor it in for them. And I say that all the time. People go, "Well, what do you do? How do you do that? I go, I ask them, so what did that mean to you? (laughs) It's not like this is rocket science, you know? And let them tell me what it made, how it made them feel, and what it means to them, and what what now what they can tell their kids and grandkids, and the difference it's going to make in their lives and the and the lives of the people that are around them.
0: So, let's go. Let's think into this impact piece. Um, we often talk about what we do, and even how we do it, and I don't think people really track unless they know why it's important and then what's the results of the work i think the results the impact as we call it Mm -hmm. is why people donate isn't it Mm -hmm. it is and we're seeing that more and more i mean i think in the last 10-15 years
1: as the rising generation has gotten involved um that you need to address that Uh, you know my generation if you wanted to help the community you gave to like united way or something like that you gave to organizations that you thought would do good work The younger generations, as they're coming up, they want to know what the impact of their dollar is. And they want to make sure their things are going. So now they're really looking at what the impact is. And I think that's a huge shift that's, and it's being driven by the donors and their kids. So it's not going away. But I also think it's going to be a huge shift for philanthropy overall, because you're going to get more overall for philanthropy when people are giving from their heart. And they're they're focused on the things that they really want and and want to help.
0: That is so true. We um, sometimes, maybe more often than than I'm, than I'm I'm noting here, the word nonprofit drives us into scarcity thinking. It's a bad word. And so thinking of there is prosperity and we are creating a pathway for people who have assets. To create value with that. I and mean, it's not a return on the, it's not an ROI in a traditional sense, return on their investment. It is return on impact, return on <laughs> life, return on the, you know, the difference and what, what it makes. So you kind of slipped in those three steps. I want to go back and let you highlight those again because those are worth noting. So, um, those, what those three steps, steps are talking about how to go through the process. So,
1: step one is spending the time to find out what impact your donor wants to have. I mean, what's, what are they passionate about and what impact do they want their, their life and, and their money to have? Not just limited to you, just overall in, in broad terms. That's step one. Then step two is provide the opportunities to, for them to have that, that impact. You start with you, okay? So the things that you can do, you know, the things that they can help you with that help them get that impact, that's where you start. But if there's things that they really want to, get to impact that you don't do, then you help them find whoever it is that can help help them in that way. So step one, really identify what they they want, you know what what their desired outcomes are. Step two, help them get there. Then step three, which is really important that we all skip over, is what was asking the question. What did that mean to you? Because that anchors into them. Wow, that did, really did make a difference. I mean, when I when I asked that question of, of the guy that helped out in in with the the WalMarts and the Kmart's and all that stuff. I don't know that he really had anchored that in as much until he actually said it and thought about it and went, wow, that really was important. Uh, and you know, made a difference in, in me, not just in the community.
0: And he probably didn't have a way, since that was all cash, of taking a tax tax deduction on that.
1: I no, he didn't he didn't do it through a nonprofit. He went to the to the organizations, the stores and
0: wrote him a check. So that, that he wasn't doing that for the tax deduction. So let's let's um your website is the dot com, and um, I'm going to pull it up here. Now, if you're listening on a podcast, some year after this we're doing it, you can go to the website and see the video. But there are some people watching us on video, so when when they go to theheritageinstitute dot com, Rod, what will they find?
1: Well, you know, they see there's there's for the training that we do for the, the nonprofits and for the um, for-profit executives. So that's that's one thing is the different kinds of training we have and then the things that we do. And then the four families is those families that want to have somebody come help them do this. But the piece that they're they're probably going to want to look at more than anything. I think if you scroll down, there's a there's a thing about resources and
0: eh, I don't have it in front of me here. Keep going. A lot of good stuff here and there's contact us heritage i don't see maybe, where, you... uh, where did the where'd the resources go maybe they're on top increase okay register yeah. now
1: yeah go to was it take action nope i have no idea that's i just uh, better listening better questions should be on the first i thought on the first page there was a resource spot philanthropic philanthropy and engagements is one there
0: i think people can can knock around take your take yeah your, i'm
1: sorry i should have known exactly where that was um
0: that's right. um i don't go look at my website much <laughs> so so you have the trusted advisor is your podcast series as well right so people can go there if they want to contact you there is a there's a contact form at the bottom well, of the what's first. at the bottom there
1: again the very very bottom
0: very very bottom is
1: um, resources there it is way down there there we go there it is recommended reading so there's recommended readings and some other some other resources that are on there uh, that you can click through that this is just happens to be the book page that's that's up um but there's other resources that you can get there's white papers there's there's one on transformational philanthropy uh we've done a paper on um the uh Multi-generational transformational philanthropy. That might actually be on here. Let's see if it's because we I just did a workshop on it.
0: Well, it's multi-generational planning.
1: Yep, there we go. Let's see down the next scroll down just a little bit more. Multi-generational transformational philanthropy. There's the white paper right yeah.
0: there. Heritage Institute. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So it's uh the gotta have the V in the v. You have
1: to have V in there, yeah. <laughs> or you get a driving school or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The uh, the Heritage Institute. So, um, you've given us a whole lot of things to think about. Um, What's the biggest next step people need to do? We we're in this end of the year fundraising season. Actually, we're recording this on uh, Giving Tuesday, where a bunch of people, you know, there's a there's a there's a whole frenzy around giving. Like we just finished uh, Black Friday last week. So uh, people have been spending a lot of money here. So we're, we're confining it to one day. And what you're suggesting here isn't, you know, one day push or a big gala push on raising a lot of money. It's building a relationship so you have long term sustainable revenue. Am I hearing you correctly?
1: Yeah, and and then that's why we talk about the multi generational piece of this. If you can get to the point where the parents now are talking to their children and they're explaining to their children why they give and what you know. A lot of times when mom and dad died, the gifts dry up because the kids have no connection with the organization. They know mom and dad wrote checks to it, but they don't know why. Um, and so as you build, if you become part of the the family's fabric, uh, because a lot of times families that are of means, they'll have like a, well, I call them a mission vision, or we call it a purpose statement. What is it the family wants to be known for? And there's usually philanthropic things that go with that. I mean, that's how, that's, that's how they show it. And... When you can connect then with the next generations, not only do you have more sustainable gifts while your clients are alive, your donors are alive, but it continues then for multiple generations after that. So that's, that's the ultimate key is, and for parents, when you ask the parents, you know, do they want their, their children to support the same kinds of things that they do, or at least know why they support them? They do. But most people have not asked them that. And they haven't given them an opportunity to teach their kids that
0: I think the fundamental thing about leadership and communications, and especially fundraising, is relationship right. So you've spoken about that. And I think there's another piece we haven't talked about is after after the sale. You know you you got the donation. Well, there's a relationship to continue building. And you pointed out one track. you you also want to create relationships with the family. Uh, but also that part of the joy is that relationship with the person being involved at some level seeing the results of their fight
1: right yeah when you can give them tangible results and you can they can see what happened I mean in the case we were talking about uh with the the gift thing the, the paying off the the num or the uh the gifts you could see that in the community I mean you could feel that in the community you see the whole community that's why I think why it had this huge impact on him um but in other ways a lot of times we just we take the gift and we go do whatever we're supposed to do with it and we give them a receipt but we don't ever give them the the return in terms of here's what actually happened and you know six months from now a year from now being able to show them the impact that their gift has has had and will continue to have for a lot of those gifts
0: because they have friends (laughs) right
1: right and one of the things i teach nonprofits i teach Financial advisors, everybody else, as you get higher up in the net worth world, the higher the net worth, the more they trust each other than they trust all of us
0: professionals. <laughs> and so when their friends start talking, they'll listen to that. Yeah, your training helps people understand that this is not a one call and done. You don't get this big check in the first 30 seconds. Right. And so there's a whole process to this. And so uh, um, there's a lot of resources we haven't touched on that that you have that I can see from your website. So I want to encourage people to go to theheritageinstitute.com and explore what, re- what resources there are. So we're coming to the, the close of this really helpful interview. We have a sort of a soft time, timeline here, but Rod, what do you want to leave people with? What's a challenge or a thought you'd like to leave people with today? I think really the challenge is to get out of our own way. I mean,
1: you know, stop thinking about us when we sit down across from somebody and start thinking about them. And um, we, we do that. I mean, when you talk to nonprofit executives, financial advisors, any of them, and you ask them, why did you get into this? Almost always, one of the answers is, I wanted to help people. You know, they, I want to have an impact on, on people. But then we get hung up on the job of getting a check. And so I guess the first thing is transform yourself so that you're curious about what they really want. And you're focused on not on what you need to do, but what they really want. And then start thinking about, okay, can we connect those two dots? What they really want and what you need. And if not, even if you can, if there's other things, you can help them help them there.
0: But that's step one. We've got to get out of our own way. That's wise advice. So we've been talking to Rod Sieb with uh, founder and CEO of theheritageinstitute.com. Rob, thank you for being my guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for watching the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.